people ask me like, yo, what inspired you to start writing? So you know, I always say, nothing needs to inspire me to start writing. I've been writing since I was in second grade. Welcome to Beyond the Book Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Wogelenter. Each week, I invite you to take a journey with me to take a look at what happens beyond a range of books and what inspires some of today's great Jewish authors. If you're an author, or if you know an awesome author who would like to come on the show, please reach out to me at info at intentionaljew.com. Speaking about Intentional Jew, this podcast is sponsored by Intentional Jew Podcast Network. The greatest Jewish podcast network creating great Jewish content. We're always updating and adding new content, new shows. So check it out at intentionaljew.com. If you're interested in buying Rabbi Reuven Chaim Klein's books, either one of them, you can check out the show notes. And there I have an Amazon link and you can help support our show by um, using that link to buy the books. And you can also buy it on Mosaic Press. Dot com on their website, and Shuey Haber from Mosaic Press helped um, help me out and hooked up my listeners with a 10% off code. So if you want 10% off the book, you can order it from mosaicopress.com and use the promo code BEYOND10 for 10% off. Again, that's mosaicopress.com, BEYOND10. Today's guest is Rabbi Ruven Chaim Klein author of two books, God versus God, which is Judaism in the Age of Idolatry, in which Rabbi Klein explores um, Avodah Zarah in Tanakh. And he goes through and he says, there's a history of it and it's split into two parts. Really fascinating book. And Lashon Kodesh, History, Holiness, and Hebrew. In this episode, we talk about both books. We talk about the inspiration for the books. And we have all around a really great uh, conversation. So without further ado, I bring you Rabbi R.C. Klein. Welcome, Rabbi Klein, to the show. Thank you, thank you. But uh, I'm honored that you, you invited me here. To get into it, um, can you tell me a little bit about who you are, where you sort of came from, and how this, but but not just a, a list of, you know, the yeshivas and things you've done, because it's easy to list those. I want to know, how did that create these two books that you have, you know, obviously behind you, but... How, how, how they brought you to this place to write these two books and just how it brought you, how your life's experience have brought you to where you, where you are today and the work you've done. Okay. So i originally grew up in, in Los Angeles, actually in the, in the Valley, North Hollywood or Valley village. If you're familiar with the different communities there in LA. I, I grew up in San Diego and I know nothing of LA. I am what they call a flaming out of town or even out, other out of town community. I don't know. <laughs> So I know a little bit more about San Diego than you do about LA. SeaWorld uh, doesn't count. SeaWorld doesn't count. La Jolla and the Coronado and that, that bridge over there. Scary stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, LA is is a very, uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's a very chilled out place. In a lot of ways, it's also very mainstream. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like this balance between like you know, the New York in town type of thing and the out-of-town, very open type of thing. LA is a very relaxed, chilled-out place. So I think that attitude sort of helped shape, shape my upbringing. Which side um, of that you know, do you think do you think helped the balance of both? 
yeah, the balance that, that, that it's not, you know, it's not so closed, but it's not, you know, completely open. It's, um, it's a lot more. I remember when I was, when I was dating my wife. So on our, I think it was our third date, you know, so she asked you the big questions so that said, are you, are you considered in the box or out of the box? So I thought about it for a moment and I said, I'm in a bag. <laughs> that, that's what I said. I'm in, I'm in a bag when, when you're in a box. So a box is like very rigid and you know, it, it's, it's very structured and if you're either in the box or you're out of the box, but a bag, you know, there are still boundaries, a bag, but a bag is much more flexible. You know, you can, you can move around the bag. The form of the bag is not, it's not so rigid and it's not so structured. It's more, you know, you can move it around more. It's much more malleable. So I, so I said, I'm in a bag. You know, I'm not, we're not, we're not completely in a box, but we're not completely out of the box. We're in a bag. Terrific answer. So there's much more. In, 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 I think the way, the way I look at it is that like in the LA community, there's a lot more different type of options that are considered acceptable, you know. And one of the one of the one of the advantages of that is that the more serious yeshivas are really going to get people who are very serious, the real cream of the crop. In 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 certain other communities where people, you know, everyone has to go to this type of yeshiva, everyone has to go everywhere here, everyone has to go over here. So if everyone is there, then you know, you're not, it, it's not going to it's it's not, it's going to be too diverse. But over here, everyone, you know, there's, if you, if you're this type of guy, you can go to this yeshiva. You want, if you're this type of guy, you can go to this yeshiva. So I personally went to Yeshiva Gadol of Los Angeles, which is a world-class, top-notch yeshiva, very, you know, very highly educated rebbeim um, from, from, from in, in terms of the, in terms of their Torah scholarship. Um, and, you know, that was, that was my, my high school experience. You know, elementary school, I went to more, what you might call, or centrist orthodox or modern orthodox elementary school. But I decided to go Dafka to Yeshiva. I was the only one from my class who jumped to Yeshiva Gadol of Los Angeles. You know, there were other people in the history of, of, that, of, of that elementary school. There were people that went to that Yeshiva, but you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the expected trajectory that people from that elementary school would go, but you know, it, there's, there's, as I said, there, in LA, there's sort of a wide range of acceptable options. So I was able to Baruch Hashem take that option, and I think that that balance helped me. You know, Yeshiva Gedola has a very, a, a very intense Lumud uh, Kodesh, and if you want, you can also take the Lumud Echola, something very intense as well. So you get, a, you get a real, you get a real education. So I think that that that's something that very that very much helped me uh, in in um, you know in my in my writing career, etc. Do you find that process comes up um, even today? Like this is part of who you are that there's a choice and an ability to choose from maybe a wide range of things, and 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 everything you do is a choice. I find that that's uh, when it's in you from a young age. Sort of you look for those opportunities as you get older as well. Do you find that or it's a different, uh, a different world yeah, now? I mean, I, I mean, at this point, you're not actually actively making so many choices. Your, your life is much more, is much more set and you're all, you've, you've already fallen into sort of your patterns and your, your, your routines. And, you know, you may have at, at some point when, when I was a bucker, maybe I was thinking about choices and stuff like that. But at this point, it's more or less, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing anyways. It's not, nothing is really actively changing in that, in that sense, I think. Cool. And, uh, and so when did you start writing, writing your, your first book is Lashon Kodesh, correct? Yeah. So when did you, when did you start writing that? And was it your love for language that, that made you write that book? Or was it the book that made you love language? So 
you have to understand that, you know, people ask me, like, oh, what inspired you to start writing? So, you know, I always say, nothing needs to inspire me to start writing. I've been writing since I was in second grade. You know, I'm writing little, I, in my parents' house in, in L.A., I have, like, short stories that I wrote when I was in second, third grade. You know, I was writing all kinds of different things, writing my notes, writing, you know, what I thought were my chidushim, even when I was a little kid. You know, when I was a teenager, I was when I was in yeshiva, I was moved on to writing, you know, co- uh, complex different Torah topics that I wrote about on my blog and things like that. Different shtikluch Torah that I wrote as a bacher and as an early Akola younger man. So, you know, I've I, I've oh, it's just I've always been a writer. That's just my natural thing that I that I do. You know, as you can see, I'm not such a good talker, but I I do consider myself a good writer. So, particularly my my book on Lashon Kodesh. So the way it really started was when I was a bacher in Lakewood in BMG. So I spent a lot of time in the Itzras Farm over there. And one of the, one of the questions that I came out with, you know, just to back up a little bit, um, I, after I went to Yeshiva Gadol of Los Angeles, so then I went to the Mary Yeshiva in, in Yerushalayim, and I was there for about two and a half years. And then after that, I went to Lakewood in BMG. So when one of the things that in the mirror, we learned a lot of different Masechtas, and one of the Masechtas we learned was Masechus Nadarim. I learned by Rav Asher Ariel. And in Masechus Nadarim, there's a very interesting piece in the in the Ran, towards, towards the beginning of the Masechta, where he mentions that Lashon HaKadosh is different from other languages because other languages are Haskamas HaUmas. They're based on a consensus of the nations, and Lashon HaKadosh is different. So I found that very fascinating, and I wanted to explore that in different ways. So a few years later, when I was in Lakewood, and I had a lot of extra time on my hand in the Israel's Forum, so I decided, you know, I want to look into that. And I, I did a lot of research looking into all kinds of different Mepharshim. What does that mean? In what ways is Lashon HaKadosh different? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And from that, I came up with a lot of different sources that were relevant to that topic. And those sources eventually became the book on Lashon HaKadosh after I got married and moved back to Eretz Yisrael. Um, so I decided, you know, I was, in, I was encouraged by a, by a friend of mine, Rabbi Haber's son, Shui Haber, who was a friend of mine from the mirror. You know, he encouraged me to put out a book. He said, you have so many sources on this topic. You have a lot to say. Why don't you write a book out of it? So that, that's how Lashon HaKadosh became a book. And my wife, fortunately, is actually a professional editor. So, you know, she helped me fix it up and cool. make it nice and presentable. And, you know, it, it, it worked out nicely. So that that's how... That, that's how my my first book, my Lashon Hakadosh book, came out. It's you know, fascinating. It started, that... it started off as like it started off as like a Shtigal and it, it grew and grew and grew and grew. Um, when I went to different people for Askamas, so one of the people encouraged me to look a little bit more into the academic, into the academic uh, scholarship on the topic. And that, if you look at my book, you'll see a lot of academic sources and stuff as well. But that was really sort of you know that supplemented the original nucleus or the core the the the, the core nucleus of, of the book um i love that also yeah. that it comes to the motivation here a lot of times people write books and it's a um it's an education tool or it's they're an educator at heart maybe they are a good orator and they're a good speaker and they now they just translate that into a book um i think it comes out in your work that it's from personal interest you're you're interested in this you're curious almost i don't know yeah I, I, the, the word curious sometimes gets me gets me nervous i'm not sure if curious is the right word here but definitely interest uh that you're interested in learning about Lashon Kodesh, and that's why, and that's how this was created. And I think that that comes out. That's amazing. 
but but see the the, the, thing, the thing is that yeah, I don't I, I I actually get insulted sometimes when people look at me like oh he's the Lashon Hakodesh guy or or when they talk about my other book they're like oh he's the Avodah guy I'm I'm not one of these like one or two topic people I, I I'm interested in everything I'm like I just I, you know I'll, I'll read all kinds of interesting books or all kinds of interesting things whatever I, I come across or whatever happens to pique my interest so it's like yeah Lashon Hakodesh when I wrote that it happened to interest me and when I wrote that that happened to interest me and you know all the different things that I work on. It's, a lot of it is because I happen to be interested in it at, at that time, but it's not like you know this. This is Reuven Chaim Klein is just he's he's a linguist. He's a focused on language. No, that, that's just one aspect of, of what I'm interested in. Um, the first actually one one of the first things I did when I was when I was when I was really seriously getting into writing um, in a, in a in a more mature way. Back also when when I was a Bakr in Lakewood was my father's uncle, um, Mr. Blau. He should be healthy. He's in his upper 90s. So he wrote a book on the Hungarian town of Bonyhad, which my, 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 my grandmother's family is originally from this town of Bonyhad. And that book was translated into Hungarian. And in about 2011, they wanted to do a translation. The family wanted to do a translation of the book into Hebrew. So they, did a trans, they hired a translator, an official translator, to translate it from the Hungarian edition to the Hebrew edition. And then they decided, you know, we want to make we want to make sure that it that it's good, it's readable. So they asked me to sort of edit the book and take this Hebrew translation and compare it back to the original English book. So like that was that was sort of the first uh, editing or translating writing gig that that I did. This was back when I was a bucker in, in, in BMG. So yeah, you know, it, it's a it's a very it, it's a very interesting like the the same guy who wrote a book on Lashon Hakodesh, you wouldn't think he'd be working on a book on like a Hungarian town. No, but it is because it's just it's just part of my broad interest that that I, that I like to be. You know, people like to. My father sometimes says that. Oh yeah, the reason why I'm into writing is that I got it from his uncle because his uncle wrote a book, so I wrote a book also. So you know, it, it's it's in the genes. So my answer back is always yeah, but he actually married into the family. It's not. That's <laughs> my blood so, so it's not really in the genes <laughs> that, but but you know just to unpack that for a second it's fascinating how do you balance the um curiosity and the you know vast or or different interests but also this is a focused book you were focused you wrote something you didn't um run into millions of different places the the book is pretty focused both books um, how do you balance the focus and then the finding different and new things to be interested in? I mean, the truth is that, let me think about that. At, at the same time that I was writing this book on Lashon HaKadosh, I was also working on all kinds of other things as well. You know, I, I also had, if I remember correctly, I was, I was also in, 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 I also have a Word a word document of different Chidushim that I was working on on Chumash that I was working on at the same time as writing the Lashon HaKadosh book. Um, so, you know, the, the, this this project was channeled into you know into into that into those efforts and this project was channeled into those efforts and is that the way you organize it you have like different different word documents like running live documents that you just keep on writing and then you could you know close that and move on to another one yeah more or less I, I'm I'm curious it's it's purely out of curiosity for me because I um I'm, I'm hyper-focused. So when I get into something, I go all in and I'm all in on that. Everything turns into that. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to me for people that are able to be focused on many different things. 
I guess that's life. That's what I have to learn. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, I, no, I also have an element of that, 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 that when I get into something, oh, I'm super focused on it. But, you know, it's going to be like I'll spend a week just thinking about one thing. And then, you know, the next week I might be thinking about something completely different. And then the week after that, I'll, I'll go back. So, so it is like a super focused, like, oh, a few days in a row or even like a week in a row. But there's also, you know, you still have this curiosity about, about other topics as well. So that was, that was book number one. It was interest number one was, was Lashana Kodesh. And then um, that turned you, or you, you've had another word document that turned into um, this book of God versus God's. Yeah. So God versus God's actually the, the entire, the entire enterprise started uh, after Lashana Kodesh, completely after Lashana Kodesh, after Lashana Kodesh was published, after I published the second edition. So or actually after I finished preparing the second edition before it actually came out um, in 2015, I was, I was, I was learning something and it was, it had to do with, um, with an Avodah in that's mentioned in Sefer Malachim called Rimon. So the Avodah called Rimon. It was, it was worshiped by the king of, by the king of Aram. And there's a whole story there that the, the general Naaman, he 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 sort of became uh, interested in, in Judaism because of the miracles from Elisha, and he asked for he asked Elisha sort of for permission, like you know, even when I go back to serve the king of Aram, you know, is it okay if I if I continue bowing down to this god called Rimon? And I found that I just that was like my point of departure. I found that interesting, so I looked into this this Aramean god called Rimon, and from that I decided, you know, maybe I'll start looking into some of the other. Uh, some of the other foreign gods that are mentioned in Tanakh, you know, and see what they were all about. You know, what Rimon is an interesting name. You know, it, it literally means pomegranate. Right? It's like a god named pomegranate. Like, what's up with that? You know, and, and and you know, are there any archaeological artifacts or any archaeological records that talk about such a deity? You know, these are the type of questions that I was interested in. And I did some research and I found out all kinds of interesting things. And then I decided, you know, the there's there's other names of foreign deities that are mentioned in Tanakh as well. All kinds of t- different names of Avodah There's Kamarish, there's Baal, there's Baal Pa'ar, there's Baal Zvuv, there's Baal Tzafain, Asherah, all these different things. So I said, you know, maybe I'll look into that. And so I started looking into it, and I, I started finding all kinds of interesting things, and I started compiling it. And then I found a sefer by a rabbi, uh, by Italian rabbi Chai, uh, Hanania Chai Cohen, we had a savior called Bamos Ball, which is essentially, you know, he lived in the 1800s in Italy. It's essentially an encyclopedia of the different types of Avedizaras that are mentioned in Tanakh. Like, wow, this is fascinating. And then in his, in his safer, the first part of his safer is, goes through the history of, Tana, of, of Avedizar in Tanakh. And then the second part of his safer is an encyclopedia of the different types of Avedizaras. And I said, you know what? This would be really cool if I did the same thing in English. And that's basically what I did. I, I I I used a lot of the same sources that he used. I have access to more sources than he had access to, especially in, in the academic and archaeological world that he wasn't. You know, that it was just budding in his times. And you know, I I I I put together what I think is an updated version of of what he has. So that's how God versus Gods came about. And that just to speak to the structure of the book, that the beginning is um, a history. Starting from, other Mauritian, 
all the way and all the way through all of Tanakh and and it and it um yeah so i mean the the, the chapters in god versus gods in this the first section are set up sort of chronologically it's a, it's a history of the story of Avedazara in Tanakh and let's say the jewish people's relationship with Avedazara so the first chapter is going to be a chapter on you know pre harsinai actually actually the first chapter lays out my methodology where I explain how there's something called Tereshav Echsav and Tereshav Alpeh, but the written Torah and the, and the oral Torah. But then the, the, from the second chapter, it goes, for, and then the second chapter goes for, uh, from the his, starts the history of Avedizar, starts off with Adam, with Adam Rishon, and you know how Adam was the first monotheist. He was created by Hashem, he was created by God, and he experienced God, he understood God as, as much as a human can, and knew that there was only one God. And then afterwards, Everything went downhill, and there's you know, in subsequent generations, they introduced idolatry. I, I speak about when exactly Avodazara was introduced. Was it in the time of Enosh? Was it a little bit before? Was it a little bit after? Different sources try to reconcile them, and then we follow we follow this. You know, Avram Avinu. What was Avram Avinu fighting against? What what was he cha- what was he championing? Um, what you know, what happened to Bnei Yisrael when they were in Mitzrayim? What happened when they came into the Holy Land in the time of the judges, in the time of the kings? And then the last chapter in that section, chapter 7, goes through a uh, rabbinic tradition about destroying or eliminating the evil inclination for idolatry. So that's, you know, that's, that's historical, but that's also starting to touch on the, the, the theosophy, the, the theology slash philosophy of Judaism and how we approach Avedazara, and whether or not, or in what ways it might be relevant nowadays. So that's the, the first section of my God, book, God vs. Gods. And the second section is this encyclopedia, you know, arranged alphabetically by the names of the different foreign gods mentioned in Tanakh, and talking about these different gods and what, what, all kinds of interesting things about them. Okay, what's your, um, what's your favorite Avodah <laughs> Which one is the most interesting to you? Um, on some level, you you learned something from, or it's or it was relevant to something. But what's uh, yeah? What's your favorite? I know the question is a, a ridiculous question, but one second. I, I've actually, believe it or not, I've actually been asked that question before. <laughs> um, what's my favorite of it? I don't know. There, there's a lot of different. There's a lot of different interesting things. Um, one 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 particular thing that I that I like to mention is that this idea about Balpaar that. I haven't really found exactly the source of it, but it, I, I, I've heard it in the name of the Rosh Hashiva of, uh, of Tells Riverdale, of Rav Avram Osband. He says this in the name of the Kotzkareba, or Kotzkarov. I, I haven't found the, I haven't found an actual source of this, but, but, but I love the idea that, um, you know, Baal Pa'or was this uh, Midianite or Moabite deity that was worshipped through defecation, right? You would go and you would, Make um, go in the bathroom in honor of it or in front of it or maybe on it something like that that, that you would do. So the, what 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 Rav Osbaum says the name of the Kutzkorov was that that really what the original way of worshiping this god was you would do something that would give a person such an intense um, let's say sensation or an an intense feeling that they would lose all ability to control themselves. And then they would like almost automatically defecate and, and, and release themselves because they, they 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 couldn't they were so, they, they had this such an intense feeling that they couldn't hold themselves back, right? 
That's what he says. And then what, 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 the way it sort of evolved or devolved was that people lost this intense feeling that they weren't able to replicate that. But the, the secondary um, reaction from that intense feeling, the defecation, that they were able to replicate. So that became like the, that became like the main modality of worshiping Baal Pa'ar, even though that was really sort of a byproduct of worship, worshiping it originally. So I, I thought that was a very fascinating thing, like the way that the way that people look at things. You know, like you know, something is, a, is might be a, you you might have an uh, an idea, and it might bring about different you know sort of side effects, and then eventually the side effect becomes the ikra, it becomes the primary focus, and you completely forget about what original the original primary focus was. Right, it's like mitzvah sanashim elamada, but you know we think that's a, a strictly. Jewish problem that you just get into doing something and then it you lose the ichor, um and the tuffle becomes the ichor and that kind of thing and, and that's fascinating there's so much to learn so much to unpack in that yeah that's awesome you know today we're we throw around the word of Zara. you mentioned that there is no there is no really taiva anymore and and we're done with um traditional avodazaras from Tanakh but we throw around the word we're very loose with it you know that's mamish and avodazara right and then you can uh, fill in anything you want in the it. You know, it's usually whatever. It could be sports from sports figures to technology to anything. It's it's mamish and avodazar. Is there any um, validity to that today? Meaning, is there is there the um, possibility for things to to for us to really create avodazaras the way they were um, in Tanakh? I, I think that we're uh, people use the term avodazar in a polemic sense. And there's a there's sort of a polemical definition of Avodah Zarah, and then there's the strict halachic definition of Avodah Zarah. And the two might not necessarily, you know, be, they, they might not they might not equal the same thing. It's not going to be the same exact definition, but we understand your point when you when you use the term Avodah Zarah in a polemic sense. You know, you're you're it, it's it's not just you know it's not just polemics. It's it's, it's you're trying to make a point. So let's say for example. Uh, you know, people like to say that oh, money is a vaydazar, right? So you know, let, 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 let's wait, let's ca- first of all calm down, okay? Money is a vaydazar, really? No, it's not true. If 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 I go and I, and I take out a credit card with eight of an asra with witnesses and a warning, you know, does that mean that I'm chayiv misa? No, nobody's nobody in the world is no rabbi in the world is going to tell you you're chayiv misa, right? Or if you go and you buy a pack of of uh, trading cards, I don't know. Uh, baseball cards, or Pokemon cards, or whatever it is, right? Is somebody going to see your chayv misa because now you're 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 devoting your time to training cards instead of devoting your time to learning Torah or doing mitzvahs? No, nobody's going to say that you're actually chayv misa in in the same sense that it's a vodazar. But they're making a point. They're making a polemic point. They're saying that you know just like a vodazar would would take away people's focus from a Hashem and channel it into things that are shtuyot. Things that are irrelevant, things that are you know just nonsensical. So too, you know, if you if you if you take away your focus and you put your focus on this, there there is some criticism that you're 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 doing something that's sort of conceptually similar to Avodah but nobody really means that you're actually doing Avodah Zarah. Yeah, I think that 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 that's that's agreed upon. Oh, what exactly the halakh definition of Avodah is? That that's as um, Hashem going to be the topic of volume two. What what is a how do you define a vodazara? 
that, that it's, it's, it's not a simple question and and not everybody agrees how, how to how to define a vadizara and, and what the criteria would be that's fascinating that that kind of that topic is obviously an outgrowth of this of this book yeah um and and in, i mean the, the, the truth is that i worked on on, on this topic of it is i did a lot of a lot of research on it and i had to decide you know, what what am i going to publish as a book and what am i going to just have to leave for some for for a different project so that's the way i sort of divided it i said okay this book is going to be more from the historical perspective and then also about specific gods mentioned in Tanakh. I can't even talk about all of Avedizaraz because that would be just too vast. So I had to limit it. And that's what volume one, God versus God, is about. So one day, theoretically, I'm hopefully going to finish volume two and that'll be more in a, in a broad, as a broad definition of you know, what is Avedizaraz, how do we define it, what are you know what are things that what's what what exactly is similar to Avodah and what is actually Avodah Zara? So that that's that that's something that's important to know. And in this in the, in uh, volume one, but in in this book, God versus Gods, do you um, stay more true to either side? Meaning, are you more the lessons we can learn from it, or you keep that out of this book? It's more of a historical perspective here. So actually, when I when I first wrote the book, the, there are there are sort of Musar ideas in the book as well. Um, like I mentioned before, this idea from the Kutzker, I don't know if any academic would say that there's a, any basis to, the, to this in, in, you know, in, in a, from a historical or anthropological perspective. I don't know. I, I mean, really from a historical or um, archaeological perspective, they don't even know that what Balpaor was or whether or not it was something that actually existed or maybe Tanakh is referring to something else under a different name. We don't even know what Balpaor is. But um, I know I did include these type of ideas from the Kutzker, which the, really the Kutzker is making he, he, is is a it's a criticism. It's not really telling you a word about Avodah It's really telling you about a word about yourself right. and other Musar ideas um, from uh, like Chaim Shmulevitz has ideas about as well. Chaim Shmulevitz about Balp or you know taking away all the boundaries. So I also brought that in the book. Uh, different ideas as well from uh, from uh, what's his name. Uh, um, uh, Isaac Sher, um, the son-in-law of the altar of Slobodka. So uh, uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of booster as well in the in God versus Gods. I was actually criticized about that by um, Aaron Lapiansky when I originally showed him the manuscript for my book, and I asked him for Haskama. So he said that you know you're confusing. Sometimes you're confusing history and Musser. You know, Revisor Kshir might say something, but he doesn't. And, and I'm taking it as like, oh, this was a historical reality that, let's say, in the time of Shoftim, uh, it's not that the Jews were actually idolaters, but that the, 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 the problem was that the leaders weren't, weren't criticizing people that were doing idolatry. So it's as if the leaders themselves were uh, idolaters. So I took that, like, you know, that's a historic, as a historical observation. No, this is the way the history uh, played out. Right? So he's saying, well, maybe Rav Isaac Sher didn't mean it in a historical sense. Maybe he just meant it in a Musar sense that you know, I'm trying to inspire people to protest against or inspire people to protest against people who are doing Averas. So I would frame it in a way that that you know that was the problem of what was going on in Tanakh, but that not, he doesn't. That Revizek Sher never meant to say necessarily that that's what Tanakh means, and that's historically what happened. So I should 
he said I should try to make it clear, you know, what's more of a Musar Vart and what's more of a history Vart. And I, I, I try to do that as much as I can, but I, I do think that, you know, if he's saying this and he's applying this idea to this particular story in Tanakh, I do think that he does mean, at least in some sense, that that was what the historical reality was, what was going on. So I did, I did keep a lot of that stuff, and ultimately, Rav Aaron did give me a haskama. So he either he either agreed to me, or maybe he just felt that it wasn't worth fighting, or I don't know. So. It blew me away that Rav clarity to see, um, you know, what's history and what's Musr. It's not a judgment which one we should be learning, which one we should do, which one you should, you know, be be more true to, but that there there needs to be a clarity. And this come this always, you know, in his work, it you always see this. It's very clear that this is you know, historical perspective, and this is what we need to learn from it, but that sometimes not to mix them. But that's a fascinating, it's a fascinating story. Um, okay, so if you could, uh, and you could answer this differently for each book, but if you can get your book, and this is on the cuff as well, so if you're uncomfortable, I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I, I developed this over a few um, interviews, and I found that people really like this. Uh, or it, it, It's an interesting question, but... Um, respectively each book if you can get it in front of a demographic or a specific person who wouldn't have read it otherwise um who just never would have picked it up who who would that be i mean i've gotten very very broad readership for both books and very broad you can look at you can look at the on the amazon reviews on my books each book has over 35 30 reviews and, and you can see the different types of people that are reading it you know, you, you have you, you, you just by reading the, the reviews, you can see uh, there's the cynical yeshiva guy. You know, there's there's the there's the uh, earnest Balchuva. You know, there's the person who actually doesn't know anything. There's the academic, and, and they all they, they all took something from the book. You know, whether they agreed with me or not. You know, mo- most of the reviews are obviously positive reviews, thank God. But uh, you know, they, they they took out something from the book. You know. There, there's a little. I tried to write it in a way that there's a little bit of of something for everybody. You know, people criticize me that I write like Moses and Joshua instead of Moshe and Yoshua. So I, I personally think that, you know, if a yeshiva guy sees something that says Moses and Joshua, you know, it's not going to turn him off. He knows it's in English, so that's how they say it in English. So you, he can still read it. But you know, if a non-affiliated Jew picks up a book and it says Moshe. So he he might not even be familiar with 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 the fact that Moshe is Moses. He doesn't know he doesn't or maybe Moshe and Moses yes, but maybe Josiah and Yoshiahu, you know that's going to be more obscure to him. And even if he knows a little bit of Bible, he won't be able to connect it. It won't fit with something that he already knows. So I tried to write it. You know the 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 the, the lowest common denominator was you know you you write it in, in with English names things like that to try to make it a, it can appeal to everybody. Very good. Very good. Yes, Shaka. Thank you. So oh, thank you for helping me promote this. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. This project is a creative project of mine, and I want to know that it resonates with people. The best way to speak to me and to let me know is by subscribing to this channel on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, listening, finding me on YouTube, Beyond the Book YouTube channel, and leave a comment that you enjoyed it. The more feedback I get, the more I'll do. And if you enjoyed it, even just a simple liked it works for me. We'll see you next week on Beyond the Book.